Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener, to the Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And of course, George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are talking in this episode about a United States institution. Yeah. That was founded along with so many other great industries that ran itself into the ground. <laughs> and every turn, make a wrong turn, we're talking about Radio Shack. Radio Shack. It's like up there with like Sears and yeah. <laughs> in the gutter, and <laughs> in the crapper. Yeah. Montgomery yeah. Ward. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, in the second season of Stranger Things, Bob Newby, played by Sean Astin, was the manager of his local radio shack. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. about that. Stranger Things is this huge love letter to the 80s. What better way for Sean Astin to embody a character of the 80s is to be a guy who works at the Radio Shack. Yeah, right? that, that, that's it. And in fact, it was a it was like a respected role. It's like, oh, he's our local Radio Shack manager. Yeah, what he's a guy. the knowledgeable one. He's yeah. the one. Yeah. It didn't stay that way the whole way. It turns out Radio Shack is still kind of around-ish. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. Uh, but before we do, I want to take a brief second to thank someone who dropped a review for us on iTunes. Oh, my Woo-hoo! God. Really? iTunes on, review. On iTunes. That's awesome. Well, can we have a theme song for iTunes reviews? Like, do 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 iTunes review. And cut. That's the new theme. Good job. iTunes <laughs> <laughs> review. George, here's this whole theme thing, theme music thing. I know, thing. I like yeah. this. It's fun. Fair enough. I'm creative. Mattman DFG posted a review, five stars, of course. What else would you post but five stars? Oh, it said, course. a great listen with lots of throwback topics and honest opinions on new media as well. An overall great podcast with good production value, exclamation point. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Matt. Wait, man. Did you spell out exclamation point or just use a sentence? <laughs> that was me putting <laughs> emphasis on his emphasis. <laughs> 
Well, that's fantastic, man. Great to hear that. Yep. We love iTunes reviews. I mean, and you all know how important they are, right? Absolutely. We love that you post reviews on iTunes. Uh, It apparently helps us in ratings or people to find us or whatever it is. All the good podcasts say it's important. And so we like to say so, too. (laughs) (laughs) Because we wouldn't be thought of as a good podcast. Why not? So, Mattman DFG, thanks for taking the time to drop that iTunes review. We sure appreciate you and appreciate you listening. And now let's get on with the backtrack of Radio Shack. Rising from the depths of a state called Michigan, two inebriated dorks prepare their plan for intergalactic domination. Mixing their extensive knowledge of geek culture with their insatiable thirst for alcohol, these two man-children bring you a show like you've never heard before. They will tell you tales from faraway lands and have you questioning their taste in beer. But make no mistake, friend, for the best coverage of your favorite comics, films, and TV shows, there's no better source for you to get your fix. So listen up, strap in, and prepare yourself as Jake and Tom conquer the world. Radio Shack, guys, I know we're going to talk about, you know, your experiences and what we remember about Radio Shack. Last episode, Mo was our resident historian. This episode, George, you became our resident historian. What better place to start than the beginning of Radio Shack? And you dug in a little bit and found out the origins of Radio Shack and where it came from. So I want you to share that with us and our listeners. Sure. I was really kind of surprised by it. Like I knew Radio Shack as the three of you did, you know, being the parts Mm kind of cool electronics store and everything, but it was actually founded in 1921, believe it or not. I mean, that's a long time. That's almost a hundred years. It was founded by two brothers, Theodore and Milton Duchman or Douchman or Dochman. I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyway, (laughs) Duchman, is that it? All right. See, that's why Mo should have stayed the resident historian. (laughs) They wanted to provide equipment and parts, believe it or not, of all things for the burgeoning ham radio market. Hence the name Radio Shack. That was huge. I mean, that was Uh Yeah, it was really big, especially 1920s. You're talking about World war one two era kind of pre all that stuff and everything so i guess that was becoming the a mode of you know how to reach out to people yep. it's not like long distance calls were super Mr. cheap Mr. Or American flash yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what was interesting too was they chose the name radio shack because it was the term for a small wooden structure that housed a ship's radio equipment makes sense okay. so i guess they had some experience there or had heard about it makes sense it's still in operation today we're going to talk a little bit more about that it's actually now mostly just an online store mm-hmm. yeah. and a part supplier for the chain hobby town. There's still actually 425 independently owned authorized Radio Shack dealers in operation today, which uh, I had no clue because I thought, honestly, they were all gone. I thought it was yeah. like a blockbuster type thing. Yeah, but not as like a corporation. It's just this bankrupted shell of a corporation with well, these it's, little independent yeah, guys. Yeah, I think where we're at is the, you know, when Blockbuster went bankrupt, but there were still a few hundred stores in operation that were independently owned. I like think we're it's in that, that phase. same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it used to be called America's Technology Store. Like they that were. That was the mantra. Mm-hmm. It, it was right. They were. Yeah. 
That was yeah. pre Best Buy, pre Circuit City, rest in peace, pre yeah, no Comp USA. Yeah. yeah, no Comp USA, none of those things. And if if you wanted a a regular battery, you could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you got outside of like double A, C and D, anything else synonymous with electronics and equipment mm-hmm. and batteries and stuff like that was always Radio Shack yeah. uh, for the longest time. Especially your hobbyists. I mean, you're talking about all the little oh, yeah. parts and doohickeys and diodes and whatnot. That was the only place to go. And in my mind, honestly, that's what I miss the most about Radio Shack. I don't have a place to go now and buy that little stuff to tinker around with. Just to get a little widget. I need a push button. I need a momentary right. contact. Yeah. I need a latch a switch or whatever. Those kind of things. And now you just I just go straight to Amazon now. That's the only place you can go, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Unless you've got one of those, what, Tiger Direct stores or whatever mm-hmm. they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. which is rare, I think, you know. Yeah, because it was the place to go when you couldn't find it anywhere else. It yeah. sure was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you knew you'd find it there. It. Yeah. You're yeah. sure they would have it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about their catalog business. That was a big deal for them. It was, right? Yeah. Started in 1939, their mm-hmm. first catalog. I remember the catalog. I got some, but I especially remember like the newspaper inserts. Yeah. Uh, oh, I used yeah. to love getting those because they had the coolest stuff. Huge in it. varieties, <laughs> all the coolest stuff, gadgets and toys, electronics and gizmos and stuff that we've already admitted to being addicted to their catalog business was huge for them yeah you'll remember that they always would kind of like ask you for your name and address when you bought something in radio shack that was because they were trying to get a base for where to ship the catalog Mm -hmm. they determined where to open new stores based on concentration of where people ordered things to get them shipped from the catalog oh that's smart how brilliant yeah that's really smart a preponderance of people and you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, in this little neighborhood. Let's throw a Radio Shack in there. They clearly want our stuff. Right. How smart was that? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. That was enormous for them. <laughs> it's the early days of big data, huh? Right. Especially yep. if you got, like, you notice repeat orders or something like that coming from a, like, you, yep. a little cluster area. Yeah, that's brilliant marketing, really. I mean, you're making sales and you're getting marketing research data at the same time for people paying you for it. That's just brilliant. 1954, they introduced their first private label products, name brand. And Realistic was the big name. Oh, oh Realistic. Yeah. That's, r- that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, my, I think we had like a radio from them. Yeah, they did really good speakers, too. I can't imagine a time I didn't have them. Yeah, they had realistic brand every mm-hmm. turntables yeah. and amps and receivers and stuff like that. I didn't that was their brand. I did I never yeah. associated that with it. It was like wow. big audio. And when thing, first right? released, I mean it was it was like a premier brand. It was mm-hmm. big time. Until again, because it was so highly associated with Radio Shack, later it kind of lost a little bit of its cachet, but uh, it was a big deal and it was budget. It wasn't like super expensive either. They were reasonably yeah, high priced. quality. And the nice was thing decent. too yeah, was, was, I mean, you'd have that high quality stuff, but what I really liked about Radio Shack was you could go in and look at those products and test them and demo them and everything. But you had that guy that was working at Radio Shack that could steer you in the right direction. And let's say that you bought one of those things and something went wrong with it. You could go and talk to him and he could take you right over to the shelf for the perfect little piece that was needed to replace it. Mm, Some yeah, little part that oh. burned out in it or something, which didn't happen very often because they were pretty well made. But if yep. you needed something like that, you it was a one-stop, like Mo said, it was a one-stop shop for all that kind of stuff, whether you bought you wanted the whole component or you just wanted little parts of it to repair it later. It was the thing that like kept my father's generation going because 
they hated throwing stuff out. You know, you never threw out that giant <laughs> oh, console yeah, yeah. TV or that big, yeah, yeah. you know, wooden furniture radio thing because, no, I can repair it. Well, you could repair it because you could find the stuff at Radio Shack. You made a good point because that was one thing I remember is that the people, they were super knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. It used to be the case. Yeah, they knew everything about everything. They were all Bob Newby from Stranger Things. They yeah, knew really, their I mean, business seriously. and they were respected. Yeah. That you would go in there and say like, hey, my TV's having this problem, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's probably this thing is broken. And- well, is it making a hum or a buzz? Which yeah, one? exactly. <laughs> High pitch or low pitch? That kind of fell away with the next couple of generations because if you went into a Radio Shack in the latter days before the bankruptcy, those people didn't know dick. Oh, man. They couldn't no. tell you any. They couldn't even tell you where the stuff was in the store because they were glued to their cell phone screens. It was. It really <laughs> made me mad, the local Radio Shack here in town that was still left. I went in there a couple of times and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a resistor. What's a resistor? Shut up. You work at Radio yeah. Shack. Are you yeah, kidding we'll me? We'll talk about the decline in a little bit, but that angered me too. I mean, yeah. I had several experiences very much like you said. You know, no kidding. Oh, evolve a little 1962. They were acquired by Tandy. And for a long time, it was called Tandy Radio Shack. I'll remember mm. that. Yeah. 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 They were a leather goods company. Uh, they well, purchased a Radio Shack. Yeah. Tandy. Tandy what? was a leather goods company? Like Coleco, the Colorado leather company that uh, what? started the ColecoVision. So all, these, all these computer companies started out as leather manufacturers? What? Did they just like have a, they had a leather manufacturers conference one day and said, you know what? Screw leather. We're getting into The market for moccasins was declining. <laughs> Plastic. That's nuts. That's Coleco and Tandy were both leather goods companies. They were. Yep. That's just crazy. Tandy lent its name to the uh, TRS-80. We'll talk about later. Tandy Radio oh, Shack 80. That's what TRS stands for. Yep. Yeah. Boy, did I get plastered last night. I can't even turn on an ordinary radio. Luckily, Radio Shack sells these three extraordinary cube radios by Realistic. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are gonna keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them. No fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work it's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20. That's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. They had a huge campaign that ran for nearly 30 years. Do you guys remember the Battery of the Month Club? You know, vaguely, vaguely. right. Yeah, I was, <laughs> Mo and I are in agreement again. What's going it on? It was smart. <laughs> Listen to this. So this was genius. Uh, now, first, George, you reached out to some of our followers on Twitter, and we had uh, John Turley respond oh, back, right. and yep. he remembered... Free batteries. When I was a kid in the late 70s, early 80s, this was the only way some of my games had batteries. No lie. (laughs) So the Battery of the Month Club was a genius. It was a loss leader. They Mm -hmm. gave you this card that had little punches on it. 
Uh, it also served as a generic business card for the store. So it had like the address of the store on oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. And, and once a month, you could come in and get one free inner cell battery, which was their internal brand. But you could come and get one battery. So first of all, how many things did we have in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that took just one battery? Well, yeah. <laughs> so a lot took the little nine volts. Yeah, yeah just a few. Nine volt so things, often, right? yeah. if, if you're coming in to buy a battery, you're probably going to get a free one and buy a couple more you're going to pay right. for. Right, so that's smart, yeah. yeah. But it brought people into the store to get their free battery because, oh, I need one for my smoke detector or, I oh, I need a new one for this toy. I get a free one, plus I'll buy two more and I'll have all three that I need or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it served multi-purpose. It was, uh, it was a gimmick to get you in the store. It was uh, the address and the phone number of the of the store, so you'd know how to get there and how to reach them. Uh, and for from the '60s to the early '90s, you could join the Battery of the Month Club for free. And every month, you could walk in the door and get a free battery at any Radio Shack, and they'd punch your little card. Yeah, because the batteries weren't inexpensive either, right? Well, no, yeah, I mean, you know, they got more marketing value out of mm-hmm. it than they put into it in free batteries. Is the result? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say that Radio Shack—that's a smart thing for somebody like me because Radio Shack was probably growing up. It was the first place that I was interested in doing impulse buys in. Mm-hmm. You would see that one little thing, like, oh, I really want that little button, or I really want. It was the first place that like bigger ticket items, like you'd always do impulse buys for like gum or candy when you were with your parents at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. But those were, you know, like little 50 cents quarter type things. But like real money, like saving up allowance, Radio Shack (laughs) was my impulse store of choice for sure. Yeah. We could get little radios and little walkie talkies Mm -hmm. and so many little things like that. Yep. So they were a powerhouse. I mean, we've established that they were a big deal and they were on the rise. Right. The early 80s, which was the era when we came into kind of first starting going into Radio Shacks, the biggest boom for them probably, or at least one of them, was the breakup of the Bell System phone network. Mm. Really? Oh, yeah. The baby bells. Yeah. It used to be you didn't own a phone. Oh, that's The right. phone company owned the phone. They came in, hooked up the phone and said, here you go, uh, uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Sumter, here's your phone. We own it. Here's our sticker on the back of it. If you have a problem, you let us know, but it's not yours. If you lose phone service, we're going to come and take this back from you. When they broke that system up, every individual could now buy their own phone. In fact, had to buy their own phone. Mm -hmm. Radio Shack sold 20 different models of phones in the early 80s. Wow. Because they're like, hey, you need a phone? (laughs) We've got a phone. We got phones. Come on in. (laughs) They're just like radios. We're phone shack now. (laughs) You got it. So you could get your home phone and they could sell it to you, show you hook it up. And so what a boom that was for them. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, that must have been huge. Especially you think about it, phones back then were all pretty much internally the same, right? It was just- oh, yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as a crappy phone. Right. It really, does it work? Yeah. I would pick it up. Do I hear the dial tone? Yeah. Okay, so it works. Whether it's, it's going to hang on the wall, it's going to sit on the counter. Is it going to- Yeah, that's really the only yeah, thing. Yeah, that's an interesting what point color? too, because if you think about it, now we associate the quality of the phone call with the phone itself, but back then we associated the quality of the phone with the phone line, not the phone itself. Just the line. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yep. So we talked about Realistic was their brand. They In the early 90s, that had kind of faded. There were so many other great brands. Yeah. You know, you had your, your Onkyos and your Sonys and stuff. So they introduced a new premium line of electronics called Optimus. 
Hmm. I don't think I remember that one. Okay. All right. Those were a little more expensive and it was kind of like the same internals, but it was a great line of electronics. I remember having a few of them uh, that I bought from Radio Shack because it was kind of like, it was the latte kind of thing or, you know, the espresso. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, you get the realistic coffee, but I can get the Optimus espresso. You know, it's, it's a higher tier of the same thing. It sold for about 20, 30% more. It had a few more watts or whatever. So in their, their electronics, their stereos and speakers and stuff like that, that was a big deal for them. Then in 91, they're, they're still sucking things up. They acquired Computer City. What? They but, owned Computer oh, yeah. City? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like that was the beginning of the downtrend for them. Having bought Computer City, they bought it because they said, you know, computers are the wave of the future. That's when they started that turn away from selling components, oh. pieces, bits, bobs. Let's start selling mainstream like consumer electronics now. Hmm. So it's like everything Radio Shack was known for they started to homogenize themselves into what every other big box electronics store was already starting to do. Because that was the era of throwaway electronics, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was the beginning. You're right. Yeah. These people stopped kind of like repairing and replacing. And they said, well, this is the future. Let's get away from all these little pieces and bits. In fact, they revamped the catalog. A little foreshadowing. They revamped the catalog <laughs> service. They paired it from like 50,000 products down to like 2,500 products. Oh, wow. Because oh, we're like, Let's stop selling all this bits and bobs crap in our catalog. We don't need that. Let's sell just mainstream like big products. Man. As we'll see later, that became a big problem. Do you guys remember like when I would go into Radio Shack, like the only thing that's equivalent to it is going to like a Home Depot or a Lowe's and you walk into the screws, nuts and bolts aisle where they just have those long drawers. Of, yes, you pull little drawers out. And they have the pictures on the front of the drawer to tell you what's in it yes. and stuff. And they, Radio Shack had those when I was younger, but then- They did. They went from that whole wall of drawers and pegboard you know, hooks and everything to just like one little small little four foot tall- Fewer and fewer. Double-sided aisle- of some stuff. They had like a little pegboard on it that had maybe a hundred different little diodes on it. And the rest of it was just all like prepackaged components that would, you know, you might find a power supply for your mm -hmm. computer tower or maybe that was that early the 90s microphone yep. that you could add into the CB radio or something like that. Yeah. And then, so here, here was the big turn. So a little later in the nineties, what started blowing up was the internet e-commerce sites. Oh. You could go online and buy anything and when that blew up and Radio Shack got into the online business, they were no longer selling just the components online, only big brand electronics, oh. consumer stuff. So the market they invented, all those little, you know, capacitors and buttons and switches and knobs, they weren't selling them on their website. Oh, that's just stupid. So people started going <laughs> everywhere else. Well, I guess since they weren't selling them, them in the catalog, they weren't going to sell them on the website either, I guess. They didn't yep. want to be in that business. That's uh, that, no wonder yep. they're bankrupt now. That's just stupid. It was just mistakes and whoops and the wrong turns. And you know, there were like smart people with degrees trying to deduce what's the trend, what's happening in in the in the marketplace and they're trying to they're trying to lead the curve but at every turn it's like they made just a, a misstep they gave up on yeah. what what they had a little yeah, bit. sometimes you're too smart for your own good i also remember back in the 90s i mean everybody was trying to figure out what to be right yeah things sure. were changing yeah. from video corporate I mean, everything identity was yeah, you were, yeah. yeah and so they're trying to figure out Reagan know, how do we survive right. and unfortunately i think radio shack just went the wrong way uh, definitely 2003 was the last printed catalog mm. They stopped asking for your name and address when you bought something because they didn't have anything to ship you. Yeah. 
damn. Mm, mm, Usually yep. when I would go in a place that would ask for the, you know, name and address kind of stuff at the register, I would never give them the right thing. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm Bob Odekirk from <laughs> Planet X or something like that. But no Radio Shack was no one thanks. of those places that I was happy to give them my name and address. In the early days, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Hurry into Radio Shack today. We've talked already about some of like the identity brands that they had, the Realistic and later Optimus. What are the things you remember most being associated with Radio Shack, the signature products that you got there? I guess first it's going to be radios. It's in the title. So mm-hmm. definitely all kinds of transistor radios, the CB radios. Yep. Yep. When that took off. Probably were the thing that uh, seeing those on the shelf and always wanting one, that was kind of like the, oh, mom, dad, I really need a CB radio. <laughs> I want a hammer. Radio. I'm going to talk like a trucker. Yeah. <laughs> I always had a CB radio because I had a dad and an uncle and a brother who were all truck drivers. And so they would go to Radio Shack quite often. That was their place. You upgraded huh? one. So and, like the inside would get the crappy one. Radio Shack, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Either truck stop or Radio Shack. One or the other. <laughs> we touched on some of their line of computers, but man, the TRS-80. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Right Tandy there. Radio Shack. Oh, that the Trash 80 people call it. Trash 80. That's got to be the one product that's probably most closely associated with that brand. I learned programming on the TRS 80 in elementary school. <laughs> I remember going to the library instead of going to lunch just to work on programming a game that me and my best friend were planning on graph paper. <laughs> a little later, they came out with a color computer after the C64 was such a hit. They had the Tandy color computer. Oh, yeah. Nicknamed Coco. Right. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. That one is really nice, actually. I remember playing on the Coco. Uh, it, it simulated in MAME, and you could play stuff uh, out of Coco in that. Isn't the Trash 80 considered one of the holy trinity of the first wave of home computers? Because uh, there was the Commodore PET, the Trash 80, and... The, the Apple, yeah. right, the Apple. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, they were all in that same window of a couple of years. Right. Sure. Yeah, in the in the tweet you sent out, the Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast replied, and they said, the year we got a Commodore 64, my friend got a Tandy computer, and we would go to Radio Shack to buy games for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Go there to pick up some uh, software for your, your new computer. And they had them on display, so you could always play with them a little bit, too, and do the 10 print Hello World, go to 10 kind of things. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Another tweet yeah. back from uh, Elzebar, what to be the guy, uh, handle, <laughs> said back in the late 80s and 90s, they always seem to have whatever obscure little part was needed, as we mentioned, and they always seem to have a PC with Thexter loaded up on it. So you could, <laughs> you could sit and play. I know that me and my buddy would go to Radio Shack just to play the demos on the... It wasn't just demos back then. They just All they could do was load up the real game and you could sit there right. and the manager would evil eye you while you sit and played the whole game in their store. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and especially if the Radio Shack was in like a mall or a strip mall or something, you know, your mom and dad would drop you off there because you could be distracted by the video game for a few hours while they went shopping yeah. at the grocery store. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the absolutely. Store or yep. whatever. So, so I was like, I do that today. Radio Shack, <laughs> like Radio Shack Baby Center. Yeah, they were probably, <laughs> you know, they were probably getting tired of like, I'm managing this Radio Shack. I'm not here to be your babysitter. You're not paying me for this. I'm. I always wondered. Did any of those managers ever in the history of Radio Shack, when a parent would walk back in, say, 
that'll be seven dollars for watching your show for an hour. <laughs> <Just go ahead. laughs> they should have. Yep, they earned it. A great friend of mine. I have a memory of uh, a set of speakers that he had called the Mach One speakers. Oh wow, <laughs> these are well revered in Good just uh, the history of electronics from that era, and people still buy them online. You still find like eBay auctions for these things. The Mach One. We got to put a link down below uh, in the show notes to take a look. But man, I remember these being the most amazing home speakers I had ever, ever heard. Wow. They stood about three foot tall. They were enormous. They were probably 18 inches deep. Jeez. They had a like a circular horn for a tweeter, like a hard plastic dome. (laughs) Then they had like a trumpet horn mid-range that was mounted into it that looked like this concave thing. And this huge like 12-inch woofer in each one of these. We used to go to his house. He had Optimus equipment. He he was a Radio Shack devotee. He had everything from them. And these Mach 1s, he had saved up and saved up. You know the the, uh, the Memorex commercial where the guy is sitting in the chair and his... (laughs) His oh, yeah, scarf yeah. is blowing back behind him and the glass just fell off the table. He just caught it. These speakers would do that to you. You'd th- blow you back in the chair you were sitting in. <laughs> and and I, I always thought it was just a random. My buddy had some great speakers, uh, but turns out they were actually some of the best speakers of the era. And they came out of Radio Shack, these Mach 1s. Huge, huge man. Thing. Yeah, you know that all that stuff that you would get from Radio Shack. It felt like it was just quality. And you're talking about the speakers. I mean, nowadays the form factor on speakers has gone the opposite route. You know, now it's all about small and invisible or wireless or everything. But mm-hmm. back then, the form factor of these different components, <laughs> whether it be the television or the speaker or the radio, it was all a design choice. They made these things to be part of your household experience, whether it be a living mm-hmm. room or a bedroom item or a kitchen item or whatever. Beautiful wood grain. Yeah. <laughs> just solid thing. And I know you could find some of that stuff at, like we mentioned earlier, the places like Sears or Montgomery Wards or those kinds of things. But there was something different about going into a radio shack and finding their components and their products that they made, like the realistic brand, like you're talking about the TRS-80 computer. Just it was magical. Yeah. It really was. And, and it, it's it's more frustrating in hindsight because of, of what it became later. Oh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about our memories oh, wow. uh, of our experiences <laughs> going into Radio We Shack. haven't done that yet, so. <laughs> Let me tell you, I mean, my biggest one, though, I, I still remember this so clearly. It's like my dad, he fixed the like hospital equipment and stuff for a living. So he was always getting parts and stuff for him. And like you said, everything in the house, if the TV broke, he fixed it, right? He, he figured mm-hmm. out what was wrong and he fixed it. Yep. And you could. I remember going to Radio Shacks with him though. And the thing that always amazed me, it sounded like my dad was speaking a foreign language, but the guy understood it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were talking. I couldn't understand a damn thing either one was saying, but next I know my dad would walk out with some part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was the right one. fix it. <laughs> yeah, it was the right one. And it, and the nice thing was that if it wasn't the right one, they would take it back. Sure. Yep. You know, they take yep. it back, give them the part that worked. They were Walmart before Walmart, really, on that kind of an issue. Yeah. They were like super like, oh, this wasn't the right size resistor. Okay, here, we'll take one of these other resistors. And yeah. No big deal. Oh, man. But that was like my earliest memory, I think, of Radio Shack. I think for me, I remember my father repaired televisions, one of the many jobs that he had to have growing up to try and make money. Most of that generation did. They had to be experts in like 20 things because jobs were scarce, right? So he did television repair for a little while. And I remember when I started to get old enough to understand the electronics I was tearing apart, like the calculators and things like that. I first got in a computer and stuff. He told some of his friends, I could figure out how to gimmick the local cable company's cable boxes 
into allowing all the channels in for free. <laughs> oh, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And, I'm yeah. Like, and so he like he comes home one day and he's got like four cable boxes and these guys have all handed them <laughs> to him. He brought these things home. I had no clue what I was doing. It took me like a week to figure out how to get those little star nuts that they had on them instead of the regular screws. Oh, yeah. The special. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. I, but I got the driver at Radio Shack. And I was playing around and I was looking at stuff and you couldn't look online because there's no online back then and everything. But I was there's no such thing. I was yep. trying to find manuals and stuff. I figured out where the D scrambler chip would go. If you so if you went to the cable company back then, you had to tell them whether what channels you were getting in the location. Right. Right. And they would hand you a box that had the chip in that allowed that channel or all the channels or whatever. Well, I figured out where the socket was for that chip. I realized that if you took a diode and put it in the first two pinholes of the socket, just bridged it, it, bridged everything and everything was allowed through. So it took me about a week or two no weeks filter. to figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, instead of having the wavy lines that we remember, I had, yep. you know, the full, all the channels and everything, They're all, all the Skinamaxes and whatnot. <laughs> You're a little criminal. Yeah, well, but it was Radio Shack. <laughs> you would go there and you would buy a bag of those diodes for like a quarter. Yep. And you could take those diodes and then you could gimmick this cable company and stick it to the man, so to speak. And you could <laughs> help your friends out. I was doing that for years after that, like until they got rid of that version of the cable box. Like I probably fixed like two or 300 of those damn things. Jeez. <laughs> but I loved Radio Shack was the place where I could go to get that type of stuff. One of our Twitter followers responded back. Geek to me radio said, for me, it was playing with the robot they had called Armatron every time I went. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that thing. Remember that? Armatron. It was super expensive, though. It was like an up and a down, a left and a right. And then you had a dial where you could open and close little little jaws. Yep. Yeah. On that same tweet, MC Merv responded, I scored a working Armatron at a yard sale for a dollar years Did ago. Really? I hadn't seen one. <laughs> wow. It was such a long time. Yeah, Armatron was great. We were playing with that. The thing I remember really, really well that they had there, not you wouldn't play with it at the store. They had this learning lab. It was like a 101 kits and it oh, had yeah. you opened up the box. Was that like the little it had wires and diodes and dials? Yes, 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 yes exactly. exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 And all these uh, projects you could do, you could make a crystal radio right. or you could make a um, make a whatever. clock. Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of that thimble box that Mo, you reviewed on the on the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. That uh, they send you kits and you can build something. A very watered down early version of that. But yeah, you just bought this little box. You took it home and it had a booklet full of electronics projects. You could learn, you know, what's a capacitor do? What's a diode do? It was basically training future Radio Shack customers to understand how to speak that foreign mm -hmm. language your dad spoke, Mo. Oh, man, I, I missed that because that went away. There are actually new versions of it online that you can get because uh, it was so popular. You can We'll put a link down in the show notes where you can look and see, but people still sell on Amazon and other places like a 301 little learning lab kit, and they clearly say, uh, in memory of Radio Shacks dot dot oh, dot. Wow. Yeah. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps, but you can find it for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Hello, Gen X grown up. It's Matt Man. I'm Tommy Two Stars, and today we're going to give you a little sample of us at the Deep Fried Geeks. You can listen to us anywhere. You got your favorite podcasting sites. You can always check us out too. But we're going to give you a little sample of what we're all about with a fun little word association game that we like to play. All right, ready, Tom? I think so. Funny. Us. Topical. Us. Geeky. Uh, us. Trendy. Us. 
Foodies. Reese. <laughs> Loudmouths. Us. Racists. Not us. <laughs> Skinny. Definitely not us. Handsome. More than us. <laughs> Keep calm and geek out. We have alluded to it several times. Radio Shack, not what it used to be. No. There was an obvious steady decline. In 1998, their stock peaked at an all-time really? high. Okay, all right. And it was downhill from then. They kept kind of adjusting. We talked about the, the 2001, the 2003, the catalog went, how that right. dipped. Mm-hmm. You remember they changed their slogan from America's Technology Store to the stupidest slogan there's ever been? You've got questions? Oh, God. We've got that's answers. right. I remember that stupid slogan. And the irony is the dipshits that work in the radio shack do not have a single <laughs> <Nope>. answer. <laughs> not at all. Probably back in like 2012 or so, I even remember posting a diatribe about it on Facebook. I needed a battery for a, a little digital watch. That was all sure. just a watch, you know? And I went in and I said, I need a battery for this watch. And they're like, oh, I don't know what kind of battery it uses. And I'm like, Ugh. well, your slogan is you. We've got questions. Yeah, my, I have a question <laughs> that you <laughs> need to check. I guess maybe the slogan was vague enough that they could say, well, the answer was, I don't know. <sighs> that was the-, <laughs> the answer is, hell if I know. <laughs> and they're like, well, find out what kind it has and, and go, well, we, we're not allowed to open up the watch. Oh, Jesus. And, oh, geez. Liability. And I'm like, like, hand me your screwdriver I'll and I'll it. open it. I can't hold you a screwdriver. So I opened it up <laughs> and I handed them the battery and they looked at me and went, nope, I don't know what it is. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. It's Radio Shack. No, no, but just they should be able to identify a battery. I'm standing in a Radio Shack. You have, basically, I know you have the internet on that computer. You can help me by finding out. They don't recognize it on site. They had no way of looking it wow. up. They didn't sell them. We don't got them. And it was like, you have totally gone from the go-to place for electronics questions. How incredible is that story, considering that they used to be the battery of the month place? (laughs) The de facto place you would go. That's just crazy. Mm, mm, mm. Do you guys remember in 2009, there was a move to rebrand it. They were going to do away with the Radio Shack and just call it The Shack. Oh, I yeah. I vaguely remember that. They did that like, in it didn't the last mall long, right? here. They took the radio off and called it the shack. And I remember thinking, what the hell? Is, did somebody else move in here? Did that ever take off? I mean, I don't think it did. I, I never saw I it. Remember, I remember, th- I thought I remembered seeing the sign yeah. up here, but I don't. You may have. Yeah, you may have. But I mean, it didn't stick. Talk about just like, we're going to dip our toe into rebranding and then stop. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, they're going to be cool. we got to go all in with that. Yeah, we're the shack now. You know, <laughs> it's man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Super hip. Super hip, yeah. By 2011, the things we've been talking about, all the do-it-yourself stuff, was entirely sidelined. They only had it available on their online store, which they finally got around to adding back in. But there was no do-it-yourself stuff. So diodes, capacitors, buttons, latches. I wonder if this was around the Fix the 1500 era. Do you remember about that? Yeah, I read a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had an effort. They would pick like their 1,500 worst performing stores. Yep. They would put those managers on notice. Mm-hmm. In that era, they'd started layoffs and right-sizing. They, If managers couldn't turn their store around, they would demote yep. them down to just sales clerks or eventually just fire them. there was like a big hopefully. lawsuit over it because like they were saying, well, we were told we had to be demoted because we weren't performing well, but they were making us work tons of overtime without pay and stuff. So there was like a big, I remember it was a big deal. It was crumbling both externally and internally. The morale inside the company was on the way down. 
Uh, and I, I remember the last few times I went into Radio Shacks, it was basically cell phone plans because they partnered right. with Singular. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was remote control cars around sure Christmas, yeah. I guess. Christmas electronic kind of <laughs> I stuff. Suppose. Yeah. yeah, it was It was just, it was sad. There was nothing in there that I wanted anymore. Yeah. I remember going into Radio Shack and there not being a single radio in the store. Not one. It was basically the electronics aisle yeah. of Walmart is what a Radio Shack became. That's all it was. Why would I bother going there if I've got to go to Target or Walmart mm-hmm. anyway, if you now have no added benefit beyond that? It's just horrible. And you wouldn't think about it, but the people at Walmart or Target were probably friendlier in that electronics department than the ones at Radio Shack because those guys were jerks at that point. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I mean, how many times did, do you remember growing up where you heard like, the story of the kid managed to break into this other telephone with parts from Radio Shack. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. With parts yeah. from Radio Shack, they were able to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 I remember in Short Circuit, Johnny Five would go into the, they had him in the back of the Radio Shack is where they were fixing him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Think about like the, um, remember like when the PC cloning era was going crazy and people were, remember they were talking about, they were buying off the shelf parts to build some of these first PCs. That was coming from Radio Shack. Of course. They were buying they power were. supplies okay. and yep. chips and all this stuff right off the shelves at Radio Shack, building these PCs. Yep. And because they weren't proprietary, the next schmo could go in there, undo their computer, and build one <laughs> with a couple extra features in it, all from Radio Shack. Without Radio Shack, you wouldn't have that stuff. I remember as recently as like probably 2013 or so, I walked into Radio Shack. I thought, here's a softball. I need a SATA cable, just a regular right. SATA cable. <laughs> no, no, we don't sell those. A SATA cable what? that you just plug a hard drive in with? Yeah, we don't sell like parts and stuff, which really spoke to how they <laughs> did away with stuff. DIY stuff. Oh, I'll, I'll plug in a hard drive is all I want to do. 2015 bankruptcy. Yeah. yeah. First of many, right? Restructuring. <laughs> yeah. 2017, second bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work the first time. We'll do it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. get it right. So, <laughs> Nope, they won't. <laughs> and George, you explained at the beginning of the show kind of where they are now. They partner with Hobbytown USA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of inside of those stores, they have a Radio Shack Express, right. which is uh, akin to the Chili's Express you see in an <laughs> airport. It's like, it's not really Chili's, but you can get a Bloomin' Onion. Well, it's not really Radio Shack, but you can get a cell phone or something. They're really just kind of riding on the legacy of what Radio Shack is. And in my mind, that's driven so far in the ground, they they ought to just cut and run. You ought to be the shack at this point. I feel bad for the, like we said, there's like 400 and some odd stores still in existence right now, like the independently. Yeah. I feel bad for them because the brand is so irreparably damaged by the bad decisions now that those stores... Unless they've gone out on their own and cured their own suppliers for the parts and rebuilt that part of the store, I can't imagine anybody likes those stores. Sad, sad, sad. They've got to be just like tumbleweed ghost towns of retail hell. (laughs) One of the most telling images that I ever saw online, and to this day, I'll go back and look at it and remember, it really just, it was almost like it was foretold in the Book of Omens. There's a Radio Shack at dusk. And just the right letters are burned out on the sign. And what's left says, adios. Oh, no really? way. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> that's a, that's a like, good one. That yep. says it all. It really you know, does. There was probably somebody who bought the stuff from a Radio Shack to learn how to burn out those letters, went up there and did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Shorted them. Shorted them. Yeah. Wow. Man. Know how to work the pincers on your battle floor, Ernie? Sure it is. How about your robot, Tim? Under control, sir. Radio Control Toys from $11.95 to $59.95. Only at Radio Shack. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. Gentlemen, that is going to just about wrap it up for this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Backtrack Podcast. We've been talking about Radio Shack. You know, in hindsight, Radio Shack was a brand. I would almost say I loved that brand. Yeah. I loved going in it. I loved being there. Yeah. You know what? It's like Radio Shack to me always represented self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. Yes. Independence, Independence. You fix it yourself. You make it creativity. You make it yeah. yourself. Ingenuity for me, for sure. Yeah. Always mm-hmm. trying to learn something new or figure something out. Until at the end there, you know, my battery story, that really just, <sighs> it just puts a taste mm-hmm. in your mouth that... They're not interested in in helping you with that self-reliance to the point of fixing a battery or buying a cable. They were the innovator and they became just a me too and not even a good me yeah. too. Just trying to do what other people are doing and not doing it as well. You know, oh, that's so sad. It, it is It is sad. You know, it's, it's something I love so much becomes such a, just a reviled brand that you make fun of, but it is what it is. Yeah. You can't go back again. Radio Shack was great. Radio Shack is no longer great <laughs> or good i'm thinking maybe we should open a new or, or store around. generation x radio shack just make it just like the old yeah one. exactly <laughs> it's just full of gadgets I, I don't think we should use that name though a because i don't want okay. to sue us and b it's it's too bad it's already got enough baggage yeah. gen x <laughs> grown-up shack how about that yeah just we'll use the shack yeah. somebody finally <laughs> use the shack maybe it'll stick <laughs> the gen x shack perfect <laughs> oh gosh hey thanks so much for being here I am John George appreciate you yes sir and Mo always fun man and fourth listener we especially appreciate you being here and we will talk to you next time bye bye see you guys see you later no life no fun don't you know that you're a grown up no games no puns basically life sucks as a grown up this podcast is an affiliate of the GWW radio network Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. I'm recording. I thought you were just it. No, I just said I'm going to start my podcast. <laughs> that was funny. Did you just open the door and walk in and start talking? Yeah. I want to buy a new studio. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform, 
and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.